What's going on, you guys? Welcome back to the Home Field Podcast. So in today's episode, it is going to be very NFL heavy. So we'll first start out with all of the Sunday matchups that we had for Week 12 in the NFL. We'll probably start with the Chiefs versus the Bucks, and then just work our way from there. After that, we'll talk a little bit about the two games that are left for Week 12. We'll talk about the Monday night matchup that we have between the Seattle Seahawks and the Philadelphia Eagles. And then we'll also talk about the Tuesday night matchup that we have against the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Baltimore Ravens. And then to wrap up the episode, we'll talk a little bit about the firing of Matt Patricia. Matt Patricia was fired after the Thanksgiving game with the Houston Texans where the Lions lost 41-25. to We'll discuss his firing and then see where his NFL future may lie. I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up back in the league at some point, but we'll definitely dive into that a little bit more. With that said, you guys, should be a fun episode to go over. With that said, let's just get right to it. All right, you guys, let's just get right into the Week 12 games that we had this week. We had a pretty solid bevy of games to get through, so we'll start with the highlight games of the week, and then we'll move down from there. So the first game that we'll start with is going to be the Chiefs versus the Bucks. So the Chiefs won yesterday 27-24 to against Tampa. With the win, the Chiefs move on to 10-1 for the season. Really all in all in this game, it was all about Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek Hill yesterday. I mean, Tyreek Hill single-handedly torched the Bucks secondary yesterday. And it really didn't matter who, who was matched up against him, whether it was Antoine Winfield Jr. or whether it was Carlton Davis. He torched all of them. He eviscerated everybody in that secondary. I mean, at the end of the first quarter, he had seven catches and over 200 yards receiving and two touchdowns. I've never seen anything quite like it. Just because there have been times where receivers have just gone off the entire game, but I've never seen somebody have that big of an impact in the first quarter in my life at the wide receiver position other than Tyreek Hill yesterday. He was just... He was amazing yesterday. So Tyreek Hill had 13 catches, 269 yards receiving, and three touchdowns. I mean, just an absolute career day for Tyreek Hill. Just, he was absolutely sensational yesterday. And then for Patrick Mahomes, I thought he had an outstanding day as well. So for his day, he had 37, he completed 37 of his 49 passes, threw for 462 yards, and threw all of his touchdowns to Tyreek Hill yesterday. The, I mean, the offense was humming in the first half. They did kind of taper off in the second half, but I think just the explosion that they had offensively in the first half really set them apart from the Bucks for the rest of the game. And just to kind of flip it here on the defense, I thought the Chiefs' defense played all right, but they made some crucial turnovers when they needed to, especially in the third quarter. Really on back-to-back drives, they came up big by picking Brady off twice. And it seemed like on those drives where the Bucks were marching down the field, it looked like the Bucks were going to be able to get some points on both of those drives. But the Chiefs were able to force some interceptions and halt the Bucks from getting any points on those drives. And just to kind of focus here on the fourth quarter, the, the Chiefs' defense definitely lacks in the fourth quarter. They really allowed the Bucks to kind of get back into the game. And the Bucks got back within three, three points of the Chiefs. I believe it was 27-24 to 24 at that point. But the Chiefs offense 
with Mahomes leading the way, was able to seal the win with some big with, with some big time third down conversions. And they didn't give the ball back to Brady and the crew. So all in all, I thought the Chiefs had a had a solid day. Big road big road win for them. And I mean at this point, i think I said it last week, they they've essentially won the AFC West at this point in this all but confirms that they're 10 and one the next closest team are the Raiders and the Raiders are really far behind. So at this point, the chiefs are definitely going to win the AFC West. And then the talk about the bucks here for the second, this is their second straight loss. And with this loss, the drops was a seven and five on the season. And to be honest with you, this was the game that I thought the bucks could have won. They got off to a really slow start, but they just couldn't dig themselves out of the hole that they were in just based off their first half play. Brady wasn't his best yesterday, especially for most of the first half in the third quarter. It, it, it just seemed like offensively in the first half, it was a lot of three and outs. And they just couldn't be, they couldn't convert third down conversions, even when it was relatively short, like third and two or third and three. Just they weren't able to get them to get those third down conversions. And then in the, th- in the third quarter, like I said, just those interceptions really hurt the Bucks offense yesterday. And the Bucks had some good opportunities to get at least a field goal from those drives, but to turn the ball over twice on back-to-back possessions, it really hurts. Now, they were able to get some solid drives in the fourth quarter, and they got the game within three points, but the Bucks defense just couldn't get Mahomes off the field, and that was the difference of the game. I think really... The takeaways for the Bucks here from this game is the Bucks defense is going to want to completely forget this game. They, they got absolutely torched yesterday. And, and not only that, the defense had some really costly penalties. Just the amount of offsides or encroachment penalties that they had yesterday was really was really disheartening if you're a Bucks fan. Just the amount of mental mistakes that they had, and it really cost them big time. So the Bucks are in a kind of a precarious situation right now. They... They're still in the playoff race at this point, but they really can't afford to lose any more games. I mean, they're at seven and five right now, and if they re- really lose any more games, they could be looking at the the last seed potentially for the playoffs this year. But right now, they're at the sixth spot, so we'll see where how, how it goes with them. And then with the Chiefs, like I said, you know they're they're pretty much firing on all cylinders at this point. Really, their biggest opponent opponent that's left for them is themselves. They pretty much have the tools to go out and beat at, beat anybody at this point. And really, the only team that can really beat them is themselves. So that that's just how good the Chiefs are right now. And they really are the cream of the crop in the NFL right now. So moving on, we'll move on to the Titans versus the Colts. So the Titans had a pretty impressive performance yesterday, beating the Colts 45-26 to in Indianapolis. So with the win, the Titans move on to 8-3 for the season, and they take sole possession of first place in the AFC South. Just an absolutely dominating performance from Tennessee, and Derrick Henry was an absolute beast yesterday. So just looking at Derrick Henry's stats here, he had 178 yards rushing and three rushing touchdowns on 27 carries. And really you have to give a shout-out to the offensive line for the Titans yesterday. They were outstanding in regards to opening up lanes for Henry. And once Derrick Henry starts running downhill through those gaps. He's just a tough guy to bring down, and he was able to break off a couple solid carries yesterday. And really this game overall I thought was fairly close in in the first quarter. And 
going into the second quarter, it, w- it was tied 14 to 14. But the Titans' offense really got it going in the second quarter. The Titans closed out the second quarter, scoring 21 unanswered points to end the first half up 35 to 14. And not only that, I thought the Titans' defense really stepped up big in the second quarter. They were able to limit Phillip Rivers and get the offense off the field for the Colts. And they didn't give up any points in the process. And pretty much going into the second half, the the Titans pretty much just continued their their dominance, especially on the defensive side of the ball. They really kind of kept the, the, the Colts' offense from really getting any sort of offensive consistency yesterday. And really the points that the, the Colts scored were pretty much just garbage time points. So not really anything significant there. So, I mean, the Titans are really really starting to form into a solid team right now. Like I said, they're 8-3, and three, the top of the AFC South right now. And really, their destiny is in their own hands at this point. So if they if they win out, they're definitely going to win the AFC South. But they they have some they have some tough games in the next couple of weeks that they need to need to find a way to win. But right now, it's in their hands. And just to talk about the Colts here for a second, like I said, I thought the Colts started out pretty well in the first quarter, and they essentially went toe to toe with the Titans early in the game. But they just really couldn't get any drives going throughout most of the second quarter. And like I said, they they found themselves in a huge hold down 21 points at half at the at, at at halftime. And it was just kind of more more the same in the second half. They just really couldn't get anything going offensively. I mean, just looking at Philip Rivers, I mean, he was okay. I mean, he, he completed 24 or 42 passes, threw for 295 yards, two touchdowns and one interception. I mean, I mean it's okay, but nothing nothing mind-blowing. I think really the key here was that the Colts' run game was essentially non-existent yesterday. They only rushed for 57 yards for the entire game on 21 carries. And it, it didn't help that Jonathan Taylor was out for this game. I believe he tested positive for COVID. I believe that was the reason why he was not there playing for the Colts yesterday. They, they really could have used him in the run game. At least be, be able to switch up the, the backfield a little bit between Jonathan Taylor and... Jordan Wilkins and Naheem Hines, but with Jonathan Taylor out, I think it definitely hurt their run game yesterday. So with the loss, the Colts moved to seven and four, and currently they are second place in the AFC South. Like I said, the Titans have control of the AFC South at this point, and at this point, really just kind of looks like they just need to play out the last games, the last few games that they have left. If they play them well, they, they should win the AFC South, but you never know. The Colts could sneak in and potentially win that division in the AFC South, so we'll definitely see how that goes. So up next, we got the Cardinals versus the Patriots. So surprisingly to me, the Patriots beat the Cardinals 20-17 to yesterday. And the game, uh, the Patriots won the game on a game-winning field goal by Nick Folk yesterday. I believe it was about a 50-yard field goal to give the Patriots the win. So with the win, the Patriots moved to 5-6. and six. On the season, and with the loss, the Cardinals moved to six and five. Overall, I just thought this was an ugly game from both teams, but in the end, the, the Patriots did just enough to give them the win. Really, the the big parts, the, the big pieces that led to the New England to New England winning the game was really their defense and their special teams. The Pats' defense had some big plays, especially that goal line stand at the end of the first half that stopped the Cardinals from getting potential. I, I think they would have gone up like 17-7 to at that point. 
but that was a huge stop from New England to keep the score ten to seven at halftime. And then Adrian Phillips had a had a nice interception in the third quarter, and that interception led to a James White touchdown to put New England up. And I think all in all, I thought the Patriots had a solid uh, defensive performance against DeAndre Hopkins. DeAndre Hopkins was largely held in check yesterday. He only had five catches for 55 yards. So really kind of give a shout-out to Stephon Gilmore and anybody that was lined up against Hopkins yesterday. They did a pretty solid job against him. But their special teams was pretty big. So Jake Bailey, the Patriots punter, was able to pin the Cardinals deep in their own territory a few times yesterday, especially in the first quarter. Then then Dante Moncrief had a nice 50-yard kickoff return that led to a Patriots touchdown as well. So, I mean, those two parts of the team, especially with their special teams and their defense, really helped them out yesterday. But their offense definitely struggled yesterday, and Cam Newton was pretty bad yesterday. Cam only completed nine out of eighteen pa- nine of his 18 passes yesterday. He only had 84 yards passing, and then he had two interceptions. The first interception, he was trying to get the ball out. So I'll give him a little bit of give a little bit of leeway there, but the second one was pretty bad. He he was trying to throw a back shoulder pass and he just threw the ball too far inside and it was an easy interception. But I will say this about Cam: the only positive I'll point out for his performance yesterday, he was able to convert a big third down conversion on the run at the end of the fourth quarter yesterday that essentially set up Nick Folk's game winning field goal. But outside of that, I thought it was a pretty bad day for Cam Newton overall. And then to kind of flip it on the Cardinals here, this was a really bad loss, and this loss definitely hurts their chances of winning the NFC West. Coming into this game, Kyler Murray was dealing with a shoulder injury, and it definitely showed yesterday. Murray was not his best. He completed 23 of 34 passes. He only had 170, yard, 170 passing yards, no touchdowns, and one interception. The Cardinals weren't really able to run the ball well in the first half, but they did kind of pick it up in the second half. But just not enough here. And like I said, it, it, if the Cardinals were able to punch in that one-yard rush to go up 17-7 at the half, that would have definitely helped them in winning this game. But that missed opportunity def- definitely hurt them. And I think it really had an impact on their start in the, in the second half because for the third quarter, the Cardinals really couldn't get anything offensively going. And I, I think it left a sizable impact on their defense as well because the defense was out on the field for large portions of the second half just because the Cardinals' offense wasn't really able to get anything going. But I will say this, the Cardinals had their chances. The Cardinals had a chance to go up 20-17 to with about a minute and a half left in the game. But the Cardinals missed a 45-yard field goal and it led to the Patriots driving down the field to win the game. So the Cardinals definitely had their chances, but just couldn't capitalize on them. Just all in all, an ugly game, but I'll say this just as a speaking as a Pats fan, I just kind of had to accept the fact that this is the way that the Patriots are going to win games this year. This team is just an eyesore offensively, and the only way that they're going to win games for the rest of the season is just playing good defense, and hopefully the offense doesn't turn the ball over. I mean, despite the turnovers yesterday, the Patriots did just enough to beat a solid Cardinals team, but... This type of play from the Patriots is not going to win them games against really good opponents. And, you know, they have their work cut out. This team is this team would be really lucky to make the playoffs. I'm really actually surprised that they're somewhat in the playoff race. But right now, the, the Patriots just really aren't that good of a football team. They are 5-6, and six, and they still have an outside shot to make the playoffs. 
but I just don't expect really anything significant from the Patriots moving forward this season. So moving on, we'll move on to the Bears versus the Packers. The Packers smashed the Bears last night by a score of 41 to 25. With the win, the Packers move on to eight and three for the season, and with the loss, the Bears move to five and six. So this was just a complete dominating win for the Packers. This was just a total team win. Aaron Rodgers was sensational yesterday. The Packers running backs with Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams chewed off more than 150 yards on the ground. And the defense was able to really put Mitchell Trubisky in a bad spot. They were able to force some turnovers yesterday. And they also scored on a fumble return in the second quarter. Like I said, Rodgers had a great night, completing 21 of 29 passes for 211 yards and added four touchdowns. Like a, the duo of Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams was just as good. 90 yards from Jones. Williams had 73 yards and one touchdown on 17 carries. You know, by and large, I thought this game was largely over by halftime. And really, it was over after Mitch Trubisky fumbled the ball and the Packers scooped it up and scored to put them up 27-3. And I mean, at that point in the game, you're down 24 points on the road. You're, it's going to be very difficult to come back from that deficit. And they weren't really able to. The points that they scored were largely garbage time points. I mean, the score was 41 to 25, but this game was well out of reach by the end of the first half. It's just all in all, the, the Bears just aren't that good of a football team. And it's largely based on their quarterback play. Mitchell Trubisky is a bust at this point in his career. And to be honest, he just didn't really help himself last night to shake off that thought. He had three turnovers last night, and he just continues to struggle. And I think really at this point, it really doesn't matter whether Foles, whether Nick Foles or Mitchell Trubisky plays quarterback. It's just both of them can't get the job done. And if you're the Bears at this point, from a front office and a coaching standpoint, you have to really consider drafting a quarterback um, in next year's draft just because these two quarterbacks with Foles and Trubisky, they're just not going to get it done. And I really don't think they're the long-term answer for the quarterback position in Chicago. But... Just looking at the division altogether, Packers are just humming right now. They're at 8-3. and three. They're at the top of the division right now. And I, I don't really expect any other team to threaten them at this point. The Vikings are, are a little bit on a run. But right now, it looks like the Packers are definitely the front one, uh, the, excuse me, the front runner to win the NFC West at this point. Uh, the, excuse me, the NFC North at this point. So moving on, we'll move on to the Panthers versus the Vikings. This was actually a really good game yesterday. And the, the Vikings won a really close game, 28-27 to against the Panthers. I mean, we'll jump to the second quarter, excuse me, to the second half, because it really wasn't that much to cover in the first half. It was a pretty flat first half from both teams. But really, things started to turn up in the third quarter. The Vikings turned the ball over on back-to-back possessions in the third quarter and the, and the Panthers defense took full advantage of it because they scooped and score on, on both turnovers to take a 21 to 10 lead early in the third quarter. And then transitioning into the fourth quarter, the Panthers were able to put up two field goals, but the Vikings put up 17 points in the fourth quarter, including the go ahead touchdown from Kirk cousins to go up 28 to 27. The Panthers did get the ball back with about 45 seconds left in the game. And Teddy Bridgewater was able to lead them down the field to put them in position to get a game-winning field goal, but Joey Sly missed a 50-yard field goal to uh, 50. I think I think it was like a 54, 55-yard field goal 
to win the game. He ended up missing it. And it was a really bad kick. And you know it's bad when the ball doesn't even hit the net behind the uprights in the back of the end zone. It, it was it was that bad of a kick. He just he just pushed it way far to the left. Like I said, this game was fairly flat in the first half. And the, and the Vikings were really guilty of that. They just couldn't get anything offensively going in the first half. But they really pulled it together in the fourth quarter. And they made some big plays when they needed to, especially at the end of the game. I thought Kirk Cousins definitely had a solid game yesterday. Had had almost about 300 yards passing and had three touchdowns. And he had a nice, he had a nice touchdown pass with about... 45 seconds left that put them up by about a point. And, I mean, at this point, I can't believe I'm actually saying this, but the Vikings are kind of making a push to get into the playoffs. I mean, just a few weeks ago, it looked like the Vikings weren't even going to make, weren't even close to making the playoffs. But right now, they're only one spot behind the Cardinals for the last spot in the playoffs. Just all in all, I think the Vikings are turning it on at the right point in the season. And if they keep this up... They have an outside shot to make the playoffs. Actually, I'll take that back. They don't have an outside shot, but they they have a legitimate shot to make the playoffs. It just really kind of depends if the Cardinals continue to struggle. If they if the Cardinals can't turn it around, the Vikings could definitely sneak into that last spot in the NFC playoff picture and and make a name for themselves. But on all, I think the Vikings definitely improved from that performance that they had against the Cowboys last week. That was a really bad loss. But if the, if the Vikings continue this, they could potentially be having out. They could have a shot to make the playoffs this year. So we'll move on to the Browns versus the Jaguars next. So the Browns also won in a close game against the Jaguars. So, but the Browns were able to pull it out, winning by score of twenty-seven to twenty-five. So with the win, the Browns move to eight and three. The Jaguars, I believe, this is with, this was either their tenth or eleventh straight loss they're just just a tough team to watch this year but I will say this it was one of the more entertaining games to watch this week and I know their record doesn't show it but the Jags were competitive and they gave the Browns a much more difficult game than the Browns were probably expecting but the Browns were able to edge out Jacksonville barely so I thought Baker Mayfield had a solid day yesterday completed 19 of 29 passes for over 250 yards and added two touchdowns as well I thought Nick Chubb was an absolute monster yesterday. He had a he had a great day running the ball, rushed for over 144 144 yards, and added a touchdown as well on 19 carries. Jarvis Landry had a had a solid day as well, hauling in eight catches for 143 yards, and added a receiving touchdown. And for the Jags, I thought the Jags played pretty well offensively. Mike Glennon was efficient, threw for 235 yards and two touchdowns. I thought. James running back had a solid day running the ball. He rushed for over 125 yards and added a touchdown on 22 carries. And the, the Jags had a real opportunity to win this game. Had a real opportunity to win this game. The Jags were down 27 to 25, and they had just scored a touchdown. They were going for a two-point conversion. They just weren't able to convert the two-point conversion to tie the game up, and that really kind of ended up being the difference. So. Like I said, the Browns moved to eight and three, and I really can't believe I'm actually saying this that the Browns are moving on to eight and three. It's just this team a couple of years ago couldn't even win a game, and at one point they had lost like thirty games in two se- like over thirty games in two seasons. They'd only been able to win a game or two, 
And now all of a sudden, Baker Mayfield leading the group. They're eight and three, and I just I, I'm just I'm really surprised that the Browns are in this good of a position this late in the season. Usually it's the other way around. Usually like they're three and eight or four and seven at this point in the season, but not eight and three. But the the Browns are really a solid team moving forward, and they could be a team to contend with in the AFC playoff picture this year. So don't count the Browns. You know, don't. You got to give the Browns some credit here. The Browns have definitely put a solid team together, and eight and three is something that I've I'm genuinely surprised by at this point in the season. So up next, we got the 49ers versus the Rams. So the 49ers beat the Rams 23 to 20 on a game-winning field goal by Robbie Gould. This was one of the more surprising results of the day. I was not expecting this. I was expecting the Rams to beat the 49ers fairly easily. It, it just because. The 49ers have, I believe, 13 players on IR. And they're missing some big players like Jimmy Garoppolo, Greg Kittle, and Nick Boza. And not only that, they're missing Tevin Coleman as well. But the Rams were just awful turning the ball over yesterday. Jared Goff had two interceptions. He had a fumble as well, and the team had another fumble as well. Like, the team had four total turnovers in the game. And it just seemed like the 49ers were in control for most of the game. And it was in large part because the 49ers' defense was just having a field day with all the turnovers they were getting. With that said, though, the Rams were able to kind of come back and make it a game, and they actually ended up taking the lead in the fourth quarter, 20-17. to But they really just couldn't put the 49ers away. They couldn't get any drives to either get a touchdown or get a field goal to kind of keep the 49ers to keep the 49ers out of the game. And the 49ers took advantage of it because they were – able to knock in two field goals, including that game-winning field goal by Robbie Gould to beat L.A. Give the 49ers credit, though. They've had so many injuries this year. And I think really at this point, they've been able to overcome them as best as any team could really do, really possibly could. I mean, they're 5-6. and six, And if this were any other team with the amount of injuries that they've had, they could easily be 2-9 and nine or 3-8 and eight at this point in the season. But to be 5-6 and six and really only one game away from being 500 is nothing short of miraculous. You got you have to really give Kyle Shanahan and the coaching staff a bunch of credit here for getting these guys ready to compete. And beat a really good Rams team that was just coming off of a huge win against the Bucks last week. And just a really shocking loss for the Rams. Because the Rams needed this win to keep pace with the Seahawks and the NFC West. And losing to an undermanned 49ers team is just not a good look. I mean, moving forward, the Rams are definitely going to have to clean it up if they want to stay in contention for the top spot in the division. And they're going to have their work cut out because you know the Seahawks could really start gaining some cushion if they're able to win against the Eagles, which we'll get into later in the episode. So, shout out to the 49ers, though. They they played their hearts out yesterday, and good on them. So, moving, moving to the Raiders versus the Falcons. The Falcons just absolutely destroyed the Raiders yesterday, winning by a score of 43-6. to I'm going to keep this one rather short. The, the Falcons just put it on the Raiders all day. But the Raiders' performance yesterday was just awful. The Raiders had five t- turnovers and 11 penalties for almost 150 yards. There's just no way that you're going to win a game or you even be competitive in a game with stats like that. All in all, this was just one of the worst performances from a team I've seen all year. I mean, the only other performance that I can really think of where it was worse was the Bucks when they played against the Saints on Sunday Night Football a few weeks back. 
just an absolutely abysmal performance from the Raiders. There's, there's nothing good to talk about the Raiders here. They just completely sucked yesterday. And if I'm John Gruden, just burn the tape on this one and don't look back. At this point, you just move on to next week's game and completely forget about this game. But this game really does does hurt them. They could have had a chance to move on to 7-5 and five and be in the AFC playoff race at this point. And they still are, but they're just not in they're not in the last spot at this point. They are on the outside looking in at this point. So they're definitely going to have to really put this game behind them and hopefully improve because if they don't, you know, their, their playoff chances are could be hurting at this, at this point if they continue to play like they did yesterday against the Falcons. But we'll move on to the Saints versus the Broncos. The Saints won an easy one against the Broncos yesterday, winning by the score of 31-3. I mean, for, for NFL standards, this was a relatively easy game for the Saints since all four of the Broncos quarterbacks were inactive due to COVID restrictions. So if I, re- if I remember right, I believe the quarterback, uh, Jeff Driscoll for the Broncos, he tested positive for COVID-19 a few days ago. And since all the other quarterbacks were within, con- were within contact of him, they weren't able to play just because of the league's rules for COVID-19. So, the starting quarterback for the Broncos yesterday was Kendall Hinton, who's really a wide receiver on the team. And he he didn't have the best day, but I'm not really going to look at that. I'm going to give him a lot of credit just for stepping up to play quarterback on really a one or two day notice and give it his best. And really, I, I mean, if you're the coaching staff, that's really all you can ask for. The guy was stepping up into basically an impossible situation. It did the best that he could. But to kind of flip it here with the Saints, the Saints just cruised for most of the game. Latavius Murray had a great day yesterday, running for 124 yards and two touchdowns on 19 carries. And like I said, with Kendall Hinton playing quarterback for the Broncos, the Saints had a pretty easy matchup against him, and the defense looked pretty stout, holding the Broncos only to three points. With the win, the Saints moved to 9-2 in the season. And they really do have a solid cushion at the top spot in the NFC South. I, the Saints are really one of the best teams in the NFC period at this point. We'll see what happens when Drew Brees returns from his rib injury that he suffered a few weeks back. Taysom Mill has filled that spot as best as he could. He's not really a throwing threat that much. It's a lot of um, a lot of QB bootlegs, a lot of read option, but the Saints have been able to hold steady the last few weeks with Drew Brees being out. And right now, they're um they're looking pretty good in the NFC right now. So technically I think they have the best record in the NFC at nine and two. So they're just moving right along, even without Drew Brees. So good for the Saints though. So moving on, we got the Bills versus the Chargers. So the Bills beat the Chargers yesterday by the score of twenty seven to seventeen. So with the win the Bills move on to eight and three for the season. With the loss, the Chargers move to three and eight. I mean, really looking at this game in the first half, it looked like the Bills were going to just run away with this game, and it looked like that after Josh Allen scored on a QB bootleg to put them up twenty-four to six. But in the second half, just the Bills really struggled offensively, and they turned the ball over a bunch of times. They turned it over three times in the second half, and they kept the Chargers in the game, but. The Chargers really weren't able to execute offensively the way that they, they would have liked to. And in large part, I think that was just because the Bills' defense 
stepped up big in this in this regard. So the big key yesterday for the Bills was their defense forcing the charge, forcing the Chargers to only convert three third down conversions. The Chargers had 16 opportunities to get third down conversions, and they were they were only able to capitalize on three of them. Just all in all, just a, a solid performance from the Bills to get the Chargers off the field when they needed to. So give them credit there. All in all, I thought this was a, a solid team performance from the Bills yesterday. And they needed this win to keep some distance from the Dolphins in the AFC East. Like I said, the Bills are 8-3. and three. They're at the top of the AFC East. And they're going to have to keep playing well, though. Because the Dolphins are really kind of... They're really right behind them at this point. So the Bills really can't afford to slack off here. 8-3 and three is a great record to have. But with the Dolphins right behind them, they're definitely going to have to keep their guard up, especially in the last couple of games that they play for the rest of the season. So, moving on, we got the Giants versus, versus the Bengals. So the Giants won a close game yesterday against the Bengals, winning by the score of 19-17. to This was a good win for the Giants, but I think really the big story here was Daniel Jones leaving in the third quarter. He suffered a hamstring injury, and from the reports that I've seen, it's been said that the injury is pretty bad. So, Hopefully it's not too bad to where he misses the rest of the season, but we'll probably find out more about his injury later today or later in the week. But as for the game, kind of a close game from start to finish. The Giants were able to keep... The Giants were able to just make enough plays to win this game, though. I thought Evan Ingram had a solid day for the Giants. He hauled in six catches for 100, 129 yards. Wayne Gallman had a solid day on the ground as well. He had 94 yards rushing. Also added a touchdown on 24 carries. And I'll say this. Despite losing, the Bengals played pretty well yesterday. They didn't give up. And they had a comeback attempt that just fell short after they closed the gap to 19-17, to which is over two minutes left in the game. And it honestly kind of seemed like the Bengals were on their way to win the game after a solid punt return set them up a run midfield, which is under a minute to play. But the Giants made a huge play. They were able to strip sack Brennan Allen, and they were able to recover the fumble to win the game so with the win the, the Giants move to four and seven on the season and as it stand as it stands they're currently tied with the Washington football team for first place in the NFC East I mean I've said it before and I've said it again this this division is just absolute garbage four and seven really isn't saying much but it's good enough to be first place in this division but obviously a lot of the attention is going to be focused on Daniel Jones on whether or not that he can finish off the season. Hopefully he can. Hopefully it's not too bad of an injury that he can't return from. But if um, if the Giants are going to have Colt McCoy in there, it, it's going to be hard to, to bet for them just because I just don't think that Colt McCoy is going to be the best option for them moving for, forward at the quarterback position. But we'll see. We'll definitely see how things progress as the rest of the season moves on. So up next, we got the Dolphins versus the Jets. This will be the last game that we cover for the day. So the Dolphins beat the Jets fairly easily, so they won by the score of twenty to three, and they move on to four. And, uh, excuse me, seven four for the season. There really wasn't that much to talk about this game here. Dolphins did exactly what they were supposed to do in beating the winless Jets. Now Tua wasn't able to play in this game; he was out, but I thought Ryan Fitzpatrick filled in for the quarterback spot pretty well. Threw for two threw for over 250 yards yesterday and added two touchdowns as well. Honestly, I thought the defense 
um, for the Dolphins was outstanding yesterday. They only held the joints. Uh, excuse me. They only held the Jets to three points yesterday. And not only that, they were able to get consistent pressure on Sam Darnold all day, and it was effective because they were able to intercept him twice as well. I mean, I've said it before, and I've said it again. The Jets are just a dumpster fire this year. And they will be until Adam Gase is fired. There's not really much I can else. There's not really that much else I could add to that. Just kind of looking at the Dolphins right now, they're they're in a really good position in the AFC East right now. They're only one game behind the, the Buffalo Bills for the top spot in the division. So the the best thing that the Dolphins could do at this point is just keep playing the way that they've been playing. Just keep playing consistent, efficient football on the offensive side of the ball. And their defense has been absolutely outstanding in the last couple of weeks. If they're able to keep that up moving into the last couple games of the season, they could potentially steal this division from the Bills. I still have the Bills winning this division, but keep your eyes on the on the Dolphins here. They're in a really good spot right now, though. So that'll wrap up all the Sunday games to cover from Week 12. Like I said at the, be- the beginning of the episode, Pretty solid bevy of games. Really, the surprising game of the week was the Raiders just absolutely getting smashed by the Falcons. I was not expecting that. I was expecting the Raiders to win that game fairly easily just because the Falcons have been struggling for the most part of the year. But the Falcons really stepped up and had a big win at home against the Raiders yesterday. So moving on, we'll talk a little bit about the two games that are remaining for Week 12. We'll start with the Monday night matchup between the Seahawks and the Eagles. And then after, we'll talk about the Steelers and the Ravens. On, uh, I believe they're playing that tomorrow. So, just looking at this game, it, the Seahawks are just a, a much better team than Philadelphia at this point. Now, I will say this about Philadelphia, though. This is probably one of the worst defenses that they're going to go up against with Seattle's defense just not playing that well, especially against the pass. If Carson Wentz cannot play a decent game against his passing defense. I think the Eagles need to really consider Jalen Hurts. And Jalen Hurts might actually get some solid playing time in this game, especially if Carson Wentz isn't able to step up for the Eagles and potentially get them a win. Um, this is just a game where I have, I've got this sense where it's almost kind of like, like a make-or-break game for Carson Wentz. He's just been so turnover-heavy he- this year just forcing some really bad passes and his ball security has not been decent inside the pocket as well. So th- th- I really do think that this is like a make or break game for Carson Wentz with the Eagles here. And then to talk about Seattle, I mean, Seattle came off of a pretty big win against the Cardinals last week. And right now they're, they're sitting pretty at seven and three. And right now they're, they're currently at the top of the NFC West and Right now, I I, th- I just think that if Russell Wilson continues to play the way that they're playing, uh, excuse me, if Russell Wilson continues to play the way that he's playing, I think he'll be fine moving forward. Um, I would like to see the run game continue to get some solid carries here. I think with Carlos Hyde, and I, and I do believe that Chris Carson will be back for this game, so his presence will definitely be needed for this game. So, But if they could run the ball well, pair that with Russell Wilson, I think it'll be a solid day for the Seahawks. Just kind of looking at this game, I'm going to pick Seattle here. Seattle's the better team. And I think for Philly's sake, I I don't know if Philly's allowed any fans into their stadium. They might on a limited capacity. But 
it, it, I think it's going to be a tough sight for Eagles fans watching the Eagles play against Seattle. I think I think Seattle's going to win fairly convincingly. If I had to put a score up for this game, I'm going to say Seattle wins. Uh, let me think here. I think the Seahawks are going to put up 30, 30 plus in this game. I'm going to say, I'm going to say the the Seahawks win 34 to 21 in this game. I I just think that that Russell Wilson and the run game is going to be too much for the Eagles to handle, and I think. Seattle's defense, with how porous that they've been against the pass, I think they're going to be able to get a couple turnovers against the Eagles, and I think they're going to be able to win this game fairly convincingly. So I'm going to have this one 34-21. So we'll move on to the Tuesday night game between the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Baltimore Ravens. Now this game is honestly kind of a, a coin flip on whether or not it actually whether or not it actually gets played. Just because the Ravens have been absolutely decimated due to COVID-19 positive cases this week. I mean, they've had eight straight days of positive tests. And they just had Willie Sneed. Uh, he's a wide receiver for the Baltimore Ravens. He tested positive yesterday. So he's he's going to be out. I mean, Lamar Jackson has, t- has tested positive. I believe Mark Andrews tested positive. I mean, I, th- I believe it's like seven starters for the Ravens have tested positive for COVID-19 and they're not going to be able to play in this game. I mean, I'm really surprised that, that the NFL did not cancel this game. It, it just seems like Baltimore is just inept just due to the fact that they have so many positive COVID cases here. Just really surprised that the NFL didn't cancel this game. But I mean, just looking at this game, if, if it's actually played, I'm picking the Steelers here. This is an easy pick just because I just don't think that Baltimore is going to have anybody to go up against the Steelers. This should honestly be one of the easiest games for the Steelers this season. It is still the Baltimore Ravens, though. It, it's a very tough rivalry. So it it's going to be, I think, still a tough game uh, all in all. But I think the Steelers win this one. If I had to put a score up, I'm going to say they win this one like 28 to like 17. I just don't think the Ravens are going to be able to generate that many points with all the inactives that they're going to have from COVID-19. So, I mean, when you have the majority of your offensive team, all of your starters, essentially seven to eight of your starters, not be able to play in this game because of COVID, there's just no way you're going to win this game. And and, and it sucks because the Ravens really do need to win this game to stay in the AFC playoff picture. And that it just seems like this, this team is kind of falling apart at the seams. And, um, yeah, it's just it's just not looking good for the Baltimore right now. But like I said, I got the Steelers winning this one 28 to 17. And then um the last story that we'll cover for the episode today, we'll talk a little bit about Matt Patricia getting fired by the Lions this past weekend. So, he was fired after losing to the Houston Texans last week on Thanksgiving 41 to 25. I remember uh, uh, Kevin and I, we were talking about this last week, and Kevin, he, he's the um, he's the host of the 104-6-1 podcast that I had on my podcast last week. You definitely go check him out. And we, we both agreed that the Lions are just a mess, and it was pretty easy, easy to predict that the Lions at some point this season were probably going to fire Matt Patricia, and they have so at this point. I mean – like I said, they're just an absolute mess. They're in last place in the NFC North at four 
four and seven, and it doesn't look like they're going to get much better anytime soon. I mean, just all in all, the the, the total record for Matt Patricia since he took over for the Lions was 13-29-1. That's just not going to get it done. And it just seemed like the players and, and the coaching staff just couldn't really rally around Patricia at any point when he was the head coach. And once again, it's another Belichick disciple who, who's who been fired this year. I remember earlier in, in the year, Bill O'Brien was fired by the Houston Texans after starting off to an abysmal 0-4 start. So and it's, it's unfortunate for Matt Patricia. You never like to see a guy get fired. But in, in this case, it was definitely deserved just because the team was just not going anywhere. The team is pretty inept at this point in the year. But it wouldn't surprise me if he returns um, to the NFL probably as a defensive coordinator again. And honestly, he may just find his way back to New England to reunite with Belichick. But we'll kind of see how that goes. Um, I will say this. With with Matt Patricia, his defensive expertise will keep him in the league, and I think he'll be able to find a team fairly shortly. I just don't think it's going to be as a head coach. I think it's probably going to be on the defensive side of the ball. But... With that said, you guys, I'm, I'm pretty much going to wrap up the episode here. Um, I want to thank you guys for tuning in to the episode. Um, to kind of focus on what's left for the rest of the week, we'll talk a little bit about the NFC report card. We'll definitely dive into that later this week. And then we'll focus on pretty much just the games that we have upcoming for week 13. It's, it's going to be a lot of NFL Um from here on out just just really until the NBA starts up in December it's going to be a lot of NFL news from from here on out on the podcast so definitely stay tuned for the week 13 setup and the NFC report card on the next episode for the podcast like I said with that said you guys want to thank you guys for tuning in and take it easy you guys have a good one